joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? Hello. How are you, Jeremy? Happy 2023, our first podcast of the year. It's, um, man, allergies are so bad. I, I, I Hopefully, mm. for those of y'all that can't see it on camera, I feel like one-eyed Willie. I have like one eye that's kind of like half open because of this allergies. It's just it's terrible. I mean, I, you know, it's like living in Texas, you, you suffer from these crazy allergies. You fly in a plane and you go to other States and you get off the plane and you feel like you've been reborn. reborn. (laughs) And then when you come back and you get off the plane in Texas, all of a sudden everything just congests in about Mm -hmm. two seconds and it's terrible. Oh yeah. um, And this morning is like, I just had a quick walk uh, to my daughter's school and just like sneezing a lot. Uh, that's terrible. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, um, outside of that, uh, we're excited to have somebody, you know, if they were to get that on video, that's my segue. If we were to get that on video of us like suffering from the allergies, we have a fabulous guest here. His name is Sud Batija. Is that I get that pronounced correctly? You did. Fantastic. Thank you. You too. Um, so Sud, uh, today's podcast is the future of AI camera systems with Sud Batija. And so Sud is the co-founder and head of growth at Spot AI. Um, let me go ahead and, and brag about you a little bit. Let me uh, read out the bio um, that we found online for you. So Sud is the co-founder and head of growth at Spot AI, a groundbreaking video intelligence company built to answer a simple question. Why is it so difficult for people at work to access video off their cameras? And we're actually going to ask that question later on. Um, so there, it's a powerful mix of cutting edge Video hardware and intuitive AI-enabled software developed by Sud and his co-founder quickly caught the industry's attention, earning them, and this is sweet, right? Earning them recognition as a Forbes Cloud 100 rising star and landed them uh, a launch story in TechCrunch. And TechCrunch, as we know, has been, it's its the holy grail of, you know, if you're on TechCrunch, it's kind of a big deal. So, uh, so to date, Spot, excuse me, Spot AI has attracted a uh, thousand of customers ranging from major uh, manufacturers to national retailers nationwide um, automotive businesses, and they're just really getting started. So Sid, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So let me start off with the first question and then we'll get this out of the way. Um, what is AI camera systems? And then if you could explain really what that means, because a lot of people think in Man, AI, that's just one of those vague terms that nobody knows what it's about. But what's an AI camera system? And then if you want, go into your pitch about your company. For sure. So an AI camera system is like a you know, more traditional video security system, except that it is built ground up for how people use video today. And it leverages AI to analyze and unlock the value of that video data. Uh, if, you, if you actually think about it, uh, businesses in the US alone, like the cameras in these businesses produce more data every day than all of YouTube. Uh, wow. Video is one of the largest unindexed sources of data in the business world today. Uh, hmm. and, and you know the, a lot of the big focus for the last few decades has really been about structured data. That's where 
you know, all these BI tools, companies like Tableau, uh, you know, like, like Redshift. RBI and so on, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. they all sit there. But yeah. there's this whole uh, unindexed part of business data. It's unstructured. It's, you know, mostly video that's not mm-hmm. been tapped into. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's where we're focused. And so we're, this, this AI camera system le- allow, allows us to uh, leverage AI to actually make that video much more useful. So it, you know, looks and feels like a regular camera system, except that it installs really, really easily. Uh, hmm. It allows customers to access the video from any device anywhere. And then it, it and analyzes and indexes the video to give them insights that are relevant to their business and allows them to easily collaborate and uh, act on those insights to actually get outcomes. So when you say it self-installs, it's not like the Terminator movie where it self-installs itself everywhere, right? It's, it's alive. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you have all to plug in you... something physically, but okay. once you do that, it's pretty quick. But imagine like nice. you look over and all of a sudden it self-installed itself on your own computer. Like, oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no. and, and so so that's very interesting, right? And then if you, what what is going to be like the ultimate benefit? So let's say if we were in this meeting, we're on the Zoom call, right? And then I want this call to be transcribed. Can this, this, this software has the capability to do that transcription automatically or like this is a specific platform? How does that work? So let's... I'll take a step back a little bit, right? Let's talk about a particular kind of a customer. Let's say you are a large warehouse uh, and then you know you have 200,000 square feet. You have hundreds of employees. Forklifts uh, and stuff like that. Forklifts yeah. and stuff moving around. Yeah. Or maybe let's say you're a car wash that has 30, 40 locations. You have hundreds of cars going through your facility every day. Uh, the system has multiple layers of benefits. The first one, and this is a problem that uh, we figured out after uh, talking to a lot of customers was accessing your video at a basic level is actually not easy. So if you're trying to unlock any data source, the first step is, can you get access to that data source really, really easy? Can you pull it up on any device? Can you, uh, uh, you know, see it when you want to see it? Uh, or does it take like multiple steps to do? And you think that this is a solved problem, but it's actually not. Uh, it, a lot of consumer technology that we take for granted in our daily lives does not exist uh, as uh, it, it's not as prevalent in the business world. And that's you know that 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 gap that we saw. So step one is making the data really easy to access. Can you access all your cameras yeah. from a single location, like from a single like app, uh, and and and, uh, and and you know do that anywhere? The way it currently works is businesses have multiple locations. Every location has its own system. It has its own login. You have to very often VPN into that system. The app is buggy. Uh, so, you know, you have different, like you have to maintain multiple systems and you need like separate access for each. That's not straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine having different data silos in your company that you needed like the, its own, like, you know, interface and password to access. Uh, so that's, you know, step one is just unifying that data, that access layer for the video and making it very, very easy. Um, the second layer on top is how do you make it very, very easy for people to actually search that data and collaborate with it? So let's say you want to figure out, uh, if there was a time in your facility where there were a certain number of vehicles, or there was oh, a person wearing yeah. a certain color of very you know, familiar clothing. with that. Yeah. So it, for me, it's a similar to a lot of dam 
software, data asset management software, when you upload the AI is able to read both the video and the images and to be able to index and say there was a dog or this frame or there's pictures or you search for certain things and it shows you a clip or a video that has that indexed in there. Love that that's, stuff. That's yeah, exactly right. Cool. So, you know, what very we're cool. able to do is we index all that video frame by frame and and, and, wow. and pull out all that information and then we allow you to search by it. And then yeah. you know, at one so level, security. I mean, that would say security. This is a big, because I've seen like some of those security videos, they're so bad to see what's going on. And then there's so much information going on at some point of time. That's really hard to find out when that incident happened and what stage that it happened. So I see this yeah. in massive application for security cameras and stuff like that. So you don't have to watch, you know, uh, seven days of video for 24 hours. Right. Like this, you know, Trying to figure out exactly where it was. I mean, exactly. This is, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. And that's a big problem in the industry because, you know, very often when you're looking for video footage, nobody tells you, you don't get all the search parameters in a, you know, in a very tight way. It's like, oh, this happened sometime between, sometime on the nights of Monday to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it happened uh, sometime between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., right? That's, 24 hours of footage to look at. Uh, and and yeah. a lot of systems don't have like the capabilities to actually pass through that video really quickly. And people end up, there are people in these companies who end up sitting there and like watching that video all the time. So, so step one is how do you make it very easy to search that video? And then how do you leverage AI to be able to pass through all that information so that you can narrow into the right footage and, you know, like really, really quickly. And then the second piece of that is how do you collaborate with it, right? Like today, let's say you found a piece of video that you were looking for. Sharing that video is actually not a very easy thing. Um, imagine if you had to share data and, you know, you had to download like a like a large like CSV file and keep sharing mm-hmm. it with somebody. And, uh, you know, then uh, it was so big that it couldn't get into an email very easily. Well, it's your limitations of your ESP and then there's truncation. And then if you're going from even video to video, Samsung iOS, or, or you know, Samsung's uh, operating systems to Apple's iOS, and then it, it minimized. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's terrible. Yeah. Exactly. And then that, and then that's particularly painful if you want to share that video with like stakeholders outside the company. Let's say you want to share it with law enforcement. Let's say you want to share it with, um, uh, you know, some kind of insurance company or, uh, or, or any kind of third party uh, that, that interface is actually quite uh, quite cumbersome, right? You have to send it to them by email. You can't share it probably sometimes. There are companies where people actually take video on USB sticks and like send it to somebody else. Uh, I mean, that still happens. So making that entire process of, you know, data sharing seamless is, 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 is sort of like, like, like a big value proposition that customers like. The, the second layer above that is how do you start getting, and, and in some ways this is to your question, getting analytics and insights uh, from that video itself. Uh, so let's talk about a car wash. Car wash, car wash businesses care about how can you push as many cars through the car washes, like as fast as possible. How many cars can you do per day? Mm-hmm. Right? Basically, cars per day. Yeah. Uh, that's how they make money. So uh, what they're always trying to figure out is what are the bottlenecks in that system. Mm-hmm. So what we do is start exposing data to them to the effect of okay, how many cars did you push in a day? How long did a car take at every point in the process? How does that compare for you across locations? Uh, And then what that allows these companies to do is actually optimize their process at every step, right? 
at the POS. Okay, system, so right? it's watching the video and already processing and pre-populating the dashboard with KPIs that you can set. That's exactly right. And this is so cool. Now, <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. What's really interesting about that is a lot of those KPIs you can't get any other way in an easy way un unless you actually use the video like, analyzing the video is actually the best way to uh, instrument that data and uh, so what customers do those insights is you know optimize their car washes and try to you know maximize throughput uh, on uh, the warehousing logistics side uh, use cases that we see very often is customers trying to optimize uh, I mean again warehouses are a throughput business how fast can you get things through and you know how low can that, like how less can that cost? Uh, so yeah. what they're trying to figure out is how long did it take trucks to load and unload uh, yeah. at their facilities? Um, you know, uh, how many, uh, how were people like distributed across the warehouse and are there any bottlenecks in their warehouse processes yeah. that need to be sorted out, which is uh, yeah. understood by figuring out are there zones where there are too many people that, it, that are sort of hanging around beyond, you know, for an extended period of time, which could tell you that you have a bottleneck there. Um, or, you know, if you're operating, you know, machines, it's also about how do you know that there is the adequate number of people at every point to actually operate those machines. And this is more relevant to manufacturing. Uh, so there are a lot of these cases where visual data then actually helps them improve both the efficiency, uh, the safety, and then the security of their operation. And then it comes with like the basic CCTV setup. So then they don't have to go buy a separate CCTV. It that's exactly right. one cumulative solution. That's awesome. That's okay. exactly right. It you know it it plugs into whatever cameras that you already have, so you don't need to change your cameras. Okay. And it gives you all the basic video management functionality that a camera system would give you. Uh, so you can use it for your usual security use cases, but then you can also use it to drive business value. All the intelligence and everything. Right. That's exactly okay. right. Great. Awesome. Sure. So let's yep. see here. Yeah, absolutely. Now we looked at your, uh, we spent a little bit more time on your career path. Uh, Sud, you had a fantastic career, right? So you basically um, started your journey very early stages, uh, trying to figure out uh, what is going to be the path. And then eventually you move in the direction of uh, building this company and, you know, lots of great reviews on online social media as well. So what was the, explain to our listeners a little bit more, like what move, made you move past the direction of becoming a founder? What is kind of your history in the career? I'd just like to know. For sure. Uh, so I started my career in management consulting where I spent a lot of time working with uh, real businesses like logistics and warehouses and retail mm -hmm. and consumer products. And, and then I spent a lot of time in startups that were focused on the construction industry. Uh, so one thing that was very clear to me from all the work I had done was the value of visual context in solving problems in businesses. Uh, you know, very often when you needed to solve a problem, what you had to do was actually go somewhere and mm -hmm. see it for yourself, right? If you have if you have an issue in a warehouse, the first thing you do is go down there and actually like talk to a few people. Uh, or if you have a problem on a construction site, the first thing you do is you know go down there and actually see it for yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. So. It, I when I when I got to uh, Stanford for graduate school, uh, uh, you know, around that time, businesses like Nest and Ring were becoming a huge deal, and uh, people were buying these cameras for their houses all the time, and you know, yeah. looking at their 
Amazon packages and then their, you know, their cats and dogs and checking to see if their kids were okay. And then so the question that popped up was, well, if you really care so much about your hundred dollar Amazon package uh, and you want to see it, uh, don't you care about your hundred thousand dollar machine on your factory floor? <laughs> and wouldn't that visual context actually be very helpful to you in making decisions and in uh, and and in basically driving business value? And that's what got us down the road of figuring out like how businesses use video. And then what we found out was businesses used video a whole lot in the same wave of behavior change that was happening in the consumer world driven by you know like like nest and ring mm-hmm. was also happening in the business world because you're not a different person the minute you go to work uh so and if you expect a certain technology in your uh, in in your in your in the as a consumer you also expect that uh, you know as, as a business user and what was happening around you know uh, early 2020 uh which is when we found product market fit was uh, you know, remote work was becoming a bigger thing, and then COVID really accelerated that. So businesses started were already, and then they increasingly started leaning into their cameras to actually get visual context to know what was happening now, and to mm-hmm. solve problems. Uh, it, you know, if you're managing a large, let's say you're managing a large warehouse that's a few hundred thousand square feet, you physically can't be everywhere at the same time. If you have a multi-location no. business, you physically can't be everywhere at the same time. Uh, but what you can do is, you know, act, if you have a problem, you can quickly look at the video, get the right context and talk to who you need to do actually resolve a problem. Well, let's dig in more into you, because I think from Samir's even question, I'd like to understand. And we like to expose this in a good way. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about early in your career, before mm-hmm. your management consulting. Mm-hmm. Talk about the first terrible job you've had. You know, I remember one of my jobs, like the first job I had was like, I was in, worked in a warehouse and I had to pick up boxes. Mm-hmm. It, was ter- it was terrible. It was hot. And these boxes were, they're a hundred pounds each. And the person that owned the business didn't believe in machinery. So I was this 18 year old kid picking up boxes and shelving them. It was, I didn't like it, um, <laughs> but it, it gave me a strong work ethic. I mean, did you have that one or those series of businesses before you got into management consulting? Uh, I, so I started my career before management consulting my, my, uh, uh, my time in school was actually spent in investment banking mm. and, uh, I was also a physics major in college. Nice. Uh, so what, what, what happened as a result of that was w- one, a focus on first principles, problem solving, because if you're a physics major, like what, like if there's anything else, if there's nothing you learn, the one thing you learn is reductionist thinking and how to break down big complex problems into uh, yeah. into smaller pieces. And you're always trained to try to understand why things happen in a certain yeah. way. Uh, and what that gave me was this desire to learn a lot more about how, why systems operate the way they do and why people yeah. behave the way they do. Uh, just, you know, this, this question, why is this always stuck yeah. in your mind? Yeah. Uh, so what that allows you to do then is see parallels between uh, different worlds that aren't necessarily super obvious, uh, or at least I like to think that. So uh, it, it, that was sort of a, that was a very formative experience. And working in banking allowed uh, allowed me to you know get a more analytical understanding of businesses and but appreciation. What gave, but what gave you the drive? I think that's kind of what I'm curious about. Is like 
everybody has that energy and they drive. It's like, was it like a, a, a manager or was it a terrible manager that really made you think, oh my gosh, I can do much better than this person? Or was it like a, a parent or what, what gave you that energy? I think, I think a couple of things. One is uh, a family background of entrepreneurship and, okay. and, and, and that being a very normalized thing uh, okay. in nice. the world I grew up in. Uh, I think the, the second piece was uh, being, uh, I guess, a very optimistic person and trying to imagine like a better world. And one thing that I personally care a lot about is how do businesses, uh, uh, you know, make the world a better place? Yeah. And how does business value get created in, in alignment with, uh, you know, big problems that have to be solved in the world? Uh, yeah. So uh, that combined itself into, uh, in, into realizing that spending my time building a business would be a very, very meaningful thing for me. And so that was something that I always wanted to do pretty early on and 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 i remember uh working in startups quite early and uh, uh seeing the founder of the company and going yeah you know what that's my job i should be doing that uh so uh, it, it it was and then i think the other piece of it that really gives me a lot of satisfaction and i really enjoy is constantly testing out your models of the world and you know very often you're wrong and uh, yeah. but you learn and 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 but then you're also evolving really really fast through the process so you're not just uh, uh, you're not just a you know bystander, right? You're actually uh, you know no, you're hungry. To... You're you're hungry. You're optimistic, and you're curious. I, I we we see a lot of consistencies and similarities with a lot of the entrepreneurs that and founders. Yeah, founders and all. Exactly. I hate to say it. Um, we're just like you, but we're all the same people. We have the same, <laughs> we have the same problems that we're we're hungry, and it's not enough. We feel like we can solve something and we see an issue and we're not going to wait for somebody else to solve it. We go do it ourselves. Yeah, we need to figure out a solution. So speaking of yeah. that, uh, one thing in my kind of still, I'm very excited about the solution. I'm trying to think like how we can use it. Uh, let's say if we, you know, like how security companies in, in the US, right? And home security and the business security as well, where they implement the CCTV camera systems uh, in your premises. Uh, and I happen to work, and I'm going to give you a very specific example. I happen to work with the Bring Security, the Alarm.com guys, right? So they have implemented uh, a Bring Security system in one of my locations. And so how will, let's say if I want to go and enable the spot AI capabilities into my existing Bring Security system infrastructure that actually comes with their security system box that is connected to all the cameras, and it's also connected to the alarm system and all the good stuff. So how will the spot AI capabilities infuse into a system like that, where you already have the hardware and the software working for you with another company? Uh, it's a great question. So we, we don't uh, do, uh, we don't work on the B2C side, but I can give you a very similar answer for B2B because most companies in today's world already have a camera system that's already installed. Uh, and you already right. have a bunch of cameras and you have uh, this, you know, video recorder. Uh, the way we plug in is most of these cameras are actually on the same network and they're all IP cameras. Uh, so mm -hmm. they're, they're all connected to uh, the same locally network. 
what we do is we have an appliance uh, which basically either is rack mounted or is uh, you know standalone that plugs into the same network. Uh, so it'll plug into the same switch or router that you have. Um, and then what it does is okay. that because it's on the same network, it's able to discover, discover all the cameras and all the camera systems on that network. And then what it does is that it actually ingests the video from those cameras. Cameras use this standard protocol with which they output video. Uh, and then they're able to ingest and read that. So what the system does is that it auto-detects all these cameras. Cameras mm -hmm. and systems typically have a password uh, that you need access to. Uh, and you, the system will prompt you to throw in your passwords for all those cameras. And then it starts pulling in all the feeds into our own recorder. So it's almost, it can work alongside any systems that people already have, which was okay. a big thing that early customers told us that, hey, we already, this looks great, but we already have cameras. What do we do about that? That makes sense. Okay, so and in keeping along the same lines, um, if can you set up your system, the Spot AI system, in a way to detect specific types of events, uh, and that could be any event, right? It could be uh, an employee getting injured, right, mm -hmm. during a job, or mm -hmm. uh, something happened. Uh, that delayed the process significantly. Like you were taking a forklift and the forklift tilted or what have you. So those are the types of events. Can there be an alert generated uh, if these types of instances are detected? Uh, and how yeah, does that work? Right. So, and then we're increasingly adding the different, you know, a, a larger uh, menu of different types of events that we can actually detect. So what you're, all the events that you're describing are in the realm of safety incidents. Right, you you know, you have a slip and fall, right. Right? and that's very prevalent across almost every vertical. And particularly for talking about manufacturing and warehousing safety, is a huge deal. Uh, there's uh, you know safety in the form of uh, uh, safety in the form of actually figuring out our people in places they shouldn't be. Safety in the form of our forklifts moving too fast in a particular area. Uh, safety in the form of was there like you know proximity between a forklift and a person, or you know like like was there a collision? Um, safety in the form of, uh, you know, is there a spill? Uh, so, so we, there are a few of those things that we do and there are many that we're, you know, that are on our roadmap and we are constantly increasing, but that's exactly the idea is to make that really, really simple for customers to, to do and proactively give them insights. Uh, what's really valuable to the customers that we have found is getting to know about these things right when it happens. So, uh, the way we think about product is how do you build more of those, like, capabilities and then how do you give customers different types of alerts that allow that basically help like interrupt their day and tell them hey this is just what happened right now and this is something that you should know about and make sure the right people are getting the right alerts so at a very basic level okay. it starts with you know i mean and this was a while ago but it started with motion now it's uh do you know if there are people in a particular zone or there are vehicles in a particular zone or there are more than a certain number of people or more than a certain number of vehicles in a particular area um uh like and and we're we we've been getting more requests for stuff like slips and falls and that's definitely something that we're thinking more about. Uh, so yes, in, in the the short answer is that we're you know uh, we detect a few of those things and we're constantly adding more of that to our product and our roadmap. So that's great. And and kind of my my mind is now going everywhere, right? So now as you think about it from a technology perspective, right? We are moving into although camera continues to be an important part of this, we're moving into a sensor driven world. 
right? So everything is kind of majority of the cars have sensors and it's the whole uh, IoT spectrum is coming in and then everything is going away in a combination of camera plus sensor driven world. But for the large part, it's becoming a very, very sensor driven world. And so all of those scenarios and use cases that you mentioned, I could potentially have sensors and help me solve that. Uh, but your technology is leveraging, and, and again, so in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, there's going to be a cost ramification to it because now you have to deploy all these sensors versus uh, your technology where it's going to bring the value is even without having the sensor, you just have a very basic camera setup and you don't have a whole lot of sensors. Your technology can convert that entire enterprise into that sensor-driven data AI enterprise without having to deploy all these different uh, sensors. Is that, I'm thinking this correctly or? That's, that's exactly right. I think the, the way we think about it is that the camera itself is a sensor. And right. there are a billion cameras in the world today. And the data from that sensor is very, very rich and that's been untapped. And that sensor is, and the data from that sensor is the right way to learn and instrument a bunch of these uh, like activities and insights that you're looking for. Uh, and then in very in many scenarios, that is the easiest way to actually do it. Uh, and the number of cameras in the world have actually been growing quite a bit, right? It's doubled in the last six, seven years. And uh, we, I mean, this is a, one of the core themes of the company and we see this in the world is the price of cameras is actually going down. Uh, mm. Cameras are a commodity today. Uh, it, what people really care about is the software and what people care about is getting the right insights and you know using that data in the, in, in the most uh, in the most effective way uh, so uh, and, and and cameras are like very relatively easy to install they're, they're easily available uh, so uh, we see that as uh, we see an inflection point happening where that 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 data from cameras is just increasing, uh, it's just exploding. Uh, and then now the game is really about how do we actually make use of that data? So one thing we do for our customers is that we actually give away the cameras for free because we don't think you should have to ever pay for cameras. Uh, what, we, nice. what we charge customers for is the uh, software experience. Uh, and then, you know, we, and then they own these cameras for free and they can add as many as they like. Very good. Interesting. Great. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit different here. Um, Let's talk about your AI camera systems. Where do you see it going in the next 15, 10, 15 years? I mean, because mm -hmm. AI has really advanced in the last decade. I mean, AI is blown up, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I remember specifically when AI blew up is when Samir and I both worked at IBM together, right? Um, Watson, right? When Watson became the thing, Watson was, the, I think, the first... Um, public known commercialized AI that everybody knew about and everybody was talking about, right? So when that came out, I mean, it was big and then everybody started to have their own version of AI. Now that AI camera systems have started to come on board and all those amazing things, where's it going in the next decade or so? So for us, the way, the way we see it is there are a couple of things happening that are driving the proliferation of AI and video, and I can talk about that and then sure, sure. talk about where it's going. So one of the things that's, that, that's happening very significant, that's a very significant trend is the ability to process video outside of the cloud. 
um, and these um, AI silicon chips, right, you know, GPUs and tensor processing units that are purpose built for AI applications that allow uh, indexing of video at a very cheap cost. Uh, it's very hard to, and it's you know very often impractical to move large amounts of video to the cloud simply because video is just a very you know, it's a very heavy storage consuming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's storage and it's bandwidth consuming. Bandwidth right? if, correct. If you have like, uh, if you have a bunch of high resolution cameras, you'll, uh, you'll, you know, suck up your, your uplink and then also significantly affect your local. It network. takes a lot of computing power. I mean, it, it's exactly. Yeah. So, so one trend where we see, and that's basically what's driving uh, the ability of businesses like ours to, uh, uh, index that video is the ability to actually put like these AI silicon chips on our appliances and index the video locally. So one trend we see happening is, uh, you know, obviously increasing in the usefulness of these AI models because uh, uh, you can run bigger and heavier models on the video itself at the edge that moving it to the cloud, which makes that video much more useful. So today you can actually run a cloud grade model on like an edge device. Uh, and then that makes for powerful and responsive applications. Uh, uh, the other trend that we see is, uh, uh, you know, this, 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 this trend of, you know, edge computing, which basically means that uh, increasingly a lot of AI applications will, you know, happen at the edge itself mm -hmm. and not necessarily in the cloud. And there are particular kinds of AI applications where that's very useful, right? Like, like video where mm -hmm. you can't move the data up, you need a very responsive application. You can't mm -hmm. have the latency that comes with, uh, you know, moving video up and down in the cloud. So that's sort of a, a, a Mac, like couple of macro level trends we see, like increasingly like complex and useful models on video. Cool. And a lot of that happening at the edge. Um, from a product perspective, uh, the, you know, we see video becoming and video AI leading to uh, a behavior change in businesses where it's not just a small set of people using video, but it's like everybody using video. Yeah. When you can start, uh, I mean, Think of it, right? Like there was a point in time when, uh, before BI was a thing, where uh, if you wanted access to data, you had to go to some person in your organization who was managing the database to run a query, and they would go into their system, and it would take forever. You're exactly. you're talking you're talking early two thousands, exactly. Yeah. And what's happened today is, uh, it, you know, organizations have tools like Tableau where. Uh, mm -hmm. You basically like everybody, like a lot of people in the organization have access to a lot of the data, and then they can self serve, and they can use that data to make decisions. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we see video, like this proliferation of video and video AI leading to, and we see this in our customers, is more than a very small number of people actually using video, and mm -hmm. and 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 making like uh, using it in their day to day businesses. So when we when uh, for our customers, it starts off typically with a small set of users, but then it grows across the organization. It's not just the safety person using, it's not just the you know site manager, it's not just the warehouse manager, it's the safety person, it's the operations manager, uh, it's the loss prevention person, uh, it's the HR person. So it, it becomes a tool that everybody starts using and not just limited to a few people. It's also the analyst. It's also your analyst running you know operational excellence. So it's- mm -hmm. uh, Exactly. Exactly. So, so we your green see belts video and your black belts are sitting that. there watching stuff. You know? Also marketing, yeah. right? I mean, if think about yeah. it, if we start marketing. using this in malls and see if the customer is interacting with a specific part of that 
small in, in, in category of clothing, then you can eventually think about like how from a marketing standpoint, right at the time I can should send him, a, him or her a push message on their device offering a discount or some sort. Like it could I, you be multi really cool? use. I got an idea for you. So uh, really cool is, you know, the software placer.ai placer allows location-based data. So mm -hmm. imagine um, once you step into a fenced zone for, for at least seven minutes, it allows you to be able to track the, your system and your movements throughout a place. Imagine if you match that up with AI, uh, AI um, video. You know what There's I mean? Yeah. That, a bunch of interesting that, applications there. Yeah. That would yeah. be the ultimate yeah. for marketing. Like as a marketer, the whole geofencing concept. Geofence a mall, geofence an exactly. airport, or geofence something with security and with that placer data. Right. Oh, crap. You you guys would be unstoppable. We yeah. we see we see some applications of that on the retail side and the auto retail side as well. We have customers looking to understand traffic patterns in their uh, in their stores or know that if they had a new display put up, how long were people actually standing around there? How many people actually, you know, stood around there and were uh, looking at it? So, so, and then those are all insights that these customers are looking to use to improve how they operate. So yeah, I completely agree. There's just a whole lot. Yeah. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because both Jeremy and I have extensively worked with some of the big name retailers uh, like Macy's and JCPenney in, in, in some of our work atmosphere so so we we have actually seen implementation of some of these geofencing technologies particularly in uh, in in case of macy's uh, so yeah i mean this is potential for combining uh, the whole geofencing concept and then marketing and advertising even related to offline to online connectivity from an e-commerce standpoint which is a big trend right now it's massive like i definitely see a potential there from a spot ai perspective uh, for sure. I mean, as a, as a business, we've uh, sold to customers across 17 different industry verticals. Uh, so it's a, a many, many different applications. And, you know, and, and, and that's something that we're really excited about is, uh, the, you know, we are at the start of a new wave of, uh, of, of big data oh, yeah. and uh, a yeah. new wave of, uh, of, of this new sort of data source being accessible like of being very useful and being more universally accessible it started in the early 2000s with structured data that mm -hmm. wave is now starting with unstructured data and we're just at the start of that so i, I got i got one more question and then af after that i think samir will run the last question um mm -hmm. because we're you know getting close to that time so here's my thing let's i looked at your bio and there's this entire section on your philosophies so let's get into that, but let we're not going to do like a whole. I know we could probably go thirty minutes on on that. So some your bio, right, yeah. yeah, right. Your bio goes into depth on philosophy of management. Your building of an empowered uh, culture, um, customer centric approach, and so on. Can, so can you elaborate on your leadership and philosophy style behind this? I think I'll, I'll start with a couple of things. I think one thing that's it, it, the core philosophy to how we build the business is um, it, it's 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 a lot of it's all about the people and that may sound fairly obvious but that's actually uh, uh, you know quite deeply true uh, the, the reason is that as we you know when we're building the organization you're building an engine that can innovate um, and then that can distribute product. Uh, as 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 leaders, our job is how do you 
structure and build that organization to achieve those outcomes. And it, there's a recognition that you're not the best person to solve all the problems. Uh, you're not the best person to come up with ideas. Uh, or, or what you what you do is you get the right people who have, you know, not just the right like past experience, but yeah. the right fundamental chops uh, and, and and the right attitude. Put them in an environment they were, you know, in a good culture where they can succeed and give them really rich business context that can, you know, help them make decisions. And then you structure you structure the organization around making it very easy for groups of people to work together and get to outcomes. Uh, uh, so uh, as a as, as a business owner and as a as a leader, uh, it, it's the recognition that it's the team that's actually you know making it happen and getting it so you're done. Bringing the right people to the game. Or right mm-hmm. people to the to the you know to the business, but then you're building the culture and environment that allows them to be able to thrive and work well together. Exactly. Where you basically control the parameters that they work in, but you're given the uh, the ability to roam free within those parameters. That's exactly right. And you know you're pushing like uh, both uh, responsibility and accountability down into the organization, and allowing people to you know express their creativity and do what they do best to succeed and as a leader you're you know the coach and you're basically seeing the whole system come together uh but then your the best decisions and the best ideas will not necessarily come from you and as a leader your job is to make a very small number of good decisions you approach things like a scientist as if you studied physics for four years just just saying, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Almost at the cusp of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Go for it, Smear. No, that's great. No, I, I think it's been fantastic. We got a lot of information here. Uh, and as we are uh, uh, being time sensitive and being respectful of your time as well, Sud, like as we get to the end of this, is any parting thoughts that you have for our listeners? Uh, usually we ask uh, some of our most of our guests here is what is that one thing that you have never shared with anyone else that you can share in our podcast? So if you would like to share that. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have anything top of my mind, but it, I it could be a, okay. a philosophy on something. Maybe, maybe something you've recently read that's just inspired you. In the or, or an experience, year. like or a, a personal experience yeah. that you have never shared either one. Yeah. Um, I think I think one thing that I've learned recently that is is is, is was, was very inspiring. Uh, Jeremy, I'll answer your question. Is uh, uh, there's a very interesting book uh, that's by Simon Sinek. It's called The Infinite Game. I've been telling yes. everybody about it to read. Uh, it's a great book. Um, and I think what I found really inspiring about that was uh, it it explains a new form of like life philosophy where you approach every interaction and every situation you have in life as uh, of some form of a repeated interaction that you know will will will, will keep happening over a period of time and uh, that philosophy which is which is you know summarized as this concept of an infinite game is uh, you know both uh, like a better and a more fulfilling way to live your life mm-hmm. uh, and and it significantly changed how i approach situations and i approach uh, uh, you know like like interactions i highly recommend people like like read that and uh, mm-hmm. uh that was that's been probably in the last year one of the most inspiring things i've i've, I've read or encountered 
can't go wrong with Simon Sinek. Of every class that I teach, they mandatorily watch the 18-minute TED Talk by Simon Sinek, The Start With Why, just to inspire their brains, you know. I would. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Cool. Well, fantastic. This has been great. Um, this has been, I, I, I know this is the kind of thing to where I know if Samir and I had the time uh, available for you and you had the time, we could probably dig into the, you know, a ton more stuff and really dig into the philosophy hole until, um, you know, probably for another day or two on a call. So it, this would be great. Um, thank you. Thank you again. And Samir, is there anything else to add? Before we no, that's up. great. Yeah, again, I say the same thing that Jeremy's saying is thank you so much for being a part of this great uh, conversation today and really enjoyed it. And it seems like there's lots of things that you guys are going to pursue as a next step uh, for Spot right. AI. We're looking forward to hear and maybe bringing you back uh, in future for some more great stories. Yeah, that sounds great. Really appreciate I think having. everybody's now going to be shocked at what you did with video AI. People are probably just like blown away. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad Super cool stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you guys later.